0: Welcome to the bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It is Monday. it is April. things are looking up. We had 4 million vaccinations on Saturday. That seems pretty good. We of course uh, had the, had the final four tonight we have the championship game and uh, we're joined by Jesus uncanceled. Oh no that's that that's your name that you put on the screen. That's t- Tim Miller. So people ought to well, know behind the scenes, we, we do this on a, on a program called Zencaster, so that when the participants of the podcast sign in, they can put in any name they want. And so I have boycott Tim Miller, which we'll explain in a minute. And then you sign up as Jesus Uncanceled.
1: Yeah, that was Lauren Boebert's, um tweet on Easter, you know, of um, which is obviously just demonstrated the seriousness with which she takes her faith. and. No, I'm a Christmas baby, and I've got kind of a Jesus esque hairdo
0: right now, so I felt like that was a good, good bio for me. So I, I, I mentioned right before we started, I, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking that the word canceled and and woke are, are we're just going to be sick of it by June. It's going to be one of those pandemic things where we're just we just hit the wall. We're just done with it. It's when you you know you had that sense when you saw a congresswoman from from uh, Colorado on Easter Sunday. Tweeting Jesus uncanceled, that that maybe that had run its string, you know that it's run 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 its course. Uh, you you think that the
1: analogy's lost its uh, lost its potency now that you're comparing the resurrection to the to an uncanceling? <laughs> Pot- potentially? Uh, I, I can't find it. I was There was somebody who you think you're tired of it, Charlie. Both of these terms, you know, kind of. Um, I don't know. Invented is wrong, but we're popularized, repopularized uh, on Black Twitter, right? And it was like you know, kind of Black folks talking amongst them, in, amongst themselves, and so um, you know, you, you've got to understand the frustration there. To now watch Lauren Bobert, um, you know, kind of steal the steal the slang and use it uh, as 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 a way to. Um
0: and and make it really really dumb. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. i, I Eugene mean imagine Scott. it was Eugene Scott of the Post that tweeted that. It was really good. Well, this is the fate of you know somebody that comes up with something really really clever, something witty, and then it's appropriated by Beavis and Butthead, and, <laughs> right. and they make it to the stupidest thing. Hey, I have a I have a post Easter present for you though. Great. I was I was going to say it in 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 the Lauren Bobber tradition, but not. Oh, oh, say so. Her her tweet was. I would say inappropriate, but, you know, it's hard to match the Easter message to the world from the former guy. You saw that, right? I actually missed it. So this this is fresh for me. Happy Easter to all, in caps. That's nice. Including the radical left crazies, crazies all in caps, who rigged our presidential election and want to destroy our country, exclamation point. (laughs) Okay, here's the test. Did I make that up or is that real? <laughs> okay, Tim Miller.
1: Well, it's real, real because it's back to, it's it's back to you know what he, the kind of tweets that he was sending before he even ran. You know, remember when he, it was like back in the Trump's heyday of where, where when he got popular into Twitter, he would do things like. Happy 911 anniversary to even especially to the haters and losers. I'm, I'm making that one up. Like it was no, he was he, pretty was, close. The, he, yeah, he literally do stuff like that. So um,
0: you know everything's old as new again. Um, yeah, remember when we used to say the presidency changes a man? Well, apparently not. <laughs> at, at, at all okay so here's my post-easter present the former speaker of the house of representative john boehner and by the way i would really love to get him on this podcast i just i just want to say this i just want to put it out there i would love to have john boehner but but i want to tape it after eight o'clock at night you know if i'm saying here so i think um, that he could probably be after one in the afternoon but i see what whatever. You're saying. So, so he he um he did an audio book of, uh, of, of, of his new book, which is coming out next week. And apparently, I mean, the word, the word on the street is maybe, maybe it's shtick, maybe it's real, that uh, it was, uh, it was uh, Cabernet enhanced, shall we say. And so that there would be readings that he would do, um, and then he would kind of just riff, Cabernet riff. Or Merlot Riff or whatever. Here's actually and I, I think it was was it Jonathan Swana got his hands on one of the tapes or something? I think so. Okay, I want to give I want to give credit where credit is due. This is the former speaker of the House of Representatives, John Boehner, talking about fundamental conservative values and what makes America special, but stick with it.
2: Freedom means you can be a genius and invent new products that make you millions of dollars and helps millions of people. It means you're free to work your way to becoming the first in your family to go to college. It means you're free to reach as high as you want, no matter where you came from, even if you're a little kid sweeping a bar out in Southwest Ohio. Take it from me. You'll never know where you'll end up. That's freedom. I'll raise a glass to that any day. P.S. Ted Cruz, go fuck
0: yourself. (laughs) How does this guy not have a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at this point, John Boehner speaks for all of America there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, so Charlie, I hope this doesn't hurt your ability to get John Boehner on the podcast. So if you're a listening speaker, just go ahead and press the fast forward button a couple 30 seconds. Um, But, uh, you know, this is maybe a theme of today's podcast. You can hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. One thought being, that's a really funny line. Uh, And the other thought being, kind of F you, John Boehner, from me. Um, I, I, John Boehner is writing this whole book and, and his, his, his PR strategy seems to be to attract liberals to, to read it, um, by, you know, attacking, you know, by leaking these little tidbits, attacking Ted Cruz and, and Roger Ailes and all this, which he's right about by the way. Um, and, and it seems to be working his book selling, uh, but John Boehner voted for Trump both. Both times? I mean, mm-hmm. definitely once. In twenty sixteen he voted for Trump. In twenty twenty he didn't say anything. And so I just I, I'm left a little bit feeling empty by the fact that he wants to come out and being a to, to be a strong truth teller right now with his book and wants everybody to buy his memoir, while during the twenty twenty election he like made a wry joke about how he'd rather, you know, put a you know, rip his toenails off or something than Get involved in in picking a side, and I, I think what was the most obvious choice facing the country uh, in memory, uh, and so that I, I just I don't know that I'm going to be purchasing it. I'll t- I, I can chuckle at that clip
0: without without with saying that I'm a little bit a little bit mm, on on John Boehner. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to purchase the book because I I want to <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to get the audio book too. I have I have a really long drive. Um, is is it next week? Is coming out? So I have I have, a, I have a long drive this week. I, w- I might get it on audiobook to just to listen to it. Okay, so yeah. I have I have something else. You and I have not talked about Matt Gates, and this this story is just gets gets furrier and furrier and hairier and hairier, um, but. Um, Mehdi Hassan has a show on Peacock, but also on MSNBC. You, you're familiar with Mehdi Hassan's stuff? Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I am a big fan. Now, he is way to the left of me. I understand that we are not ideologically aligned, but he is one of the real bright rising stars. I mean, this guy, this guy is gifted. He strikes me as – have you ever noticed the difference between BBC interviewers and American television interviewers? The BBC guys are way more aggressive. Yeah, and they, and they're just—I'm not trying to diss anybody, but but they they function at a different level of real preparation and just never letting anybody get away with any shit. I mean, so and Mehdi Hassan is from that sort of school, so uh, we we could spend a lot of time talking about Matt Gates, which I'm sure we'll do over the next few weeks. But he here is Mehdi Hassan. In one minute, summarizing Matt Gates, everything you need to know about Matt Gates before this Pizzagate Gates c- controversy in sixty seconds, ladies and gentlemen. I give Mehdi Hassan gives you Matt Gates.
2: Up the clock, Matt Gaetz was elected to the Florida House in 2010, backed by his daddy Don Gaetz's deep pockets and Republican connections. Just two years after being arrested for driving under the influence as a Florida legislator, he mocked women in tattoos for using welfare, called for recipients of welfare to be drug tested, suggested two black members of the state senate did not know how to write or spell, and was one of only two Florida House members to vote against a bill criminalizing revenge porn. Elected to Congress in 2016, Gaetz invited an accused Holocaust owner to be his guest for the State of the Union. It appeared on Alex Jones' Infowars show, claimed Attorney General Jeff Sessions was a hostage of the deep state, called for the firing of Robert Mueller, defended Trump's description of Haiti as a whole country, talked about cultural genocide, falsely accused George Soros of funding a migrant caravan 10 days before a white supremacist massacred 11 Jews in a synagogue, wore a gas mask to mark the threat from COVID, attended a maskless party for young Republicans in New York at the height of the pandemic, and was the only member of Congress to vote against a bill to combat human trafficking funny that in february during the second impeachment trial matt gates said he would quit his job and leave his home to defend donald trump the question is will donald trump now do the same for him
0: no no answer to that (laughs) 60 seconds you know, I, I I feel like just sort of like lying back and lighting up a cigarette now, but I don't I don't I don't, I don't <laughs> smoke.
1: Uh, I I will have one, I have like one cigarette a month, Charlie, and so I might have to use mine up on that this afternoon. That was really good. though um, no, just minor correction to media I think he went to multiple multiple maskless uh, uh, parties at the height of the pandemic, including the one the viral video where he's uh He's he's doing karaoke to Wagon Wheel. Do you see this? And has kind of a young woman scratching his back. And they're all they're all maskless in a tiny hotel
0: room. Uh, anyway, it's uh
1: this is well, an
0: interest. He's an interesting character. It is interesting and not a surprise that that every it turns out that everybody hates Matt Gates with the exception of. Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Jim Jordan, but everybody else in, you know, among, you know, on the Republican conference appears to be really enjoying this. Now, they're not, necess- they're not calling for him to resign or anything like that, because I think they just figure that he's going to fall apart on his own. But you, you, you can tell. Ver- is this is great, the one though? thing that has brought together, brought together more than 400 members of Congress, and, and they're all sitting there with popcorn.
1: Hmm, I'm not sure that that's right, Charlie. I, I, I well, I mean, I think there are at least some of them that he was showing naked pictures of women hula-hooping too. Um so I think they were they consider themselves Gates's friends. Um I, I mean, he is he's kind of a uh you know, the type of person that would rub you the wrong way. Um no pun intended. Um for sure, and so I think he does have people that don't like him, but I mean, nobody has spoken out. I, I don't I just, you see the mm-hmm. misalignment between the parties. I, I do think this is important. Like the, at this point, Andrew Cuomo, now it took a while. So, you know, maybe, maybe people will come around though. I'm not hopeful, but uh, the entire democratic delegation has called for Cuomo to resign at this point um, in New York. Uh, whereas you get no- nothing from Gates. I, I don't know that they assume that he's going to, um, you know, just fizzle out. I mean, remember, these were people that ended up supporting Roy Moore when it came around to it. Uh, after he was, you know, an a phobia. That, that was the big defense of Roy Moore at the Federalist. You remember, this wasn't pedophilia; it was a <laughs> uh Fourteen to seventeen—that's a different, different animal here. Let's not let's 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 make sure we're precise in our criticisms. Um, and so I I I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there is right now no guardrails around the Republican caucus and the people look around and they're like they have no idea what the voters are gonna find acceptable or unacceptable. They have no principles left, they have no standards left, and so uh like they don't know where to draw any lines.
0: So what's Trump going to do? See, you, you know, you, you can see what Gates's, uh, you know, m- mode is going to be you know, when he was on Tucker Carlson's show and he said, yeah, Tucker, remember when you and I had that double date? Um, you know, you met her. And he's like, nope, no, I don't. You can imagine he's on the phone with Donald. Don, remember when we were, you know, hanging out, you know, and Mar-a-Lago with those really gorgeous chicks that you introduced me to. And so is, is Donald Trump going to go, I, I don't know you, Matt. No, I don't remember that. Or what's he going to do? You know, uh, I think I,
1: Donald Trump is gonna say "f you" pound sand to Matt Gates. Didn't didn't Trump forget Matt Gates' name at a rally? Uh, in the, that's easy. In the, yeah, in well, the see, final this is the stretch. thing about
0: Trump is is he despises the people who suck up to him the most. Exactly. So, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, and Gates does have this sort of personality. I mean, I think this is the one thing that, that you are right about in observing this. He's kind of like the. Um, uh, you know, everybody had this guy in high school who was sort of like the obnoxious bully, but maybe he was a rich kid, right? So you'd throw parties at his parents' houses, and but everybody kind of hated him because he was sort of a dick. And then, you know, as as you get towards senior year... <laughs> and as you get towards graduation mm-hmm. people are like wait a minute i don't have to be nice to this guy i don't have to be nice to this guy anymore like gates like does have that you know persona like he he, he seems like the kind of guy that doesn't probably have any friends from Pensacola high or wherever he went or from fsu uh, that he's that he's maintained that he's tried to kind of upgrade and You know, revise and extend his friend group as he gets more famous and, you know, as his hair gets bigger and he gets new
0: teeth and all that. The hair is something. Yeah. So, okay, I want to revise and extend something I said before that I was always I was already sick of the term canceled, but I want to reserve it for Matt Gaetz canceled. I just I'm, I'm going to I won't be able to resist that. If that ever happens, so.
1: I just don't think well, will. I mean, he he represents the panhandle, mm. right? I mean, is like a, I think is it's one of those things where unless he gets jailed, uh, like I, I, there is just no enforcement mechanism for the Republican Party to actually, you know, hold anybody in line. Well, I mean, look, I, I was I was interested. the um, uh, indictments. Yeah, J- J- Jonah was t- t- tweeted out the other day a clip from Bill Bennett's book The Death of Outrage. Oh. I, r- I really love this one line. This is this is a this is one of the pull-out kind of clips from the death of outrage that they put on the book jacket. The modern allergy to judgments and standards <laughs> is deeply problematic. <laughs> I, just, I love that. I love that sentence because it could sound like a modern-day quote with the use of par- problematic. But, 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 you know, there are no judgments and standards left um, within the party. And so I, I just has, I, has I don't we'll know. What is on? the enforcement reckon- mechanism yeah. for getting rid of them, for canceling them?
0: I don't know felony prison, felony prison, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, some, some, something like that. No, I has, has Bill Bennett gone on Fox News to comment on the uh, on Gates? I don't know. I uh,
1: nobody has talked about it on Fox News. I, I, I don't. That's true. I, I haven't that's seen true. the latest, but there was like a forty eight hour period after it broke where nobody where nobody's has talked about it. I guess they've decided it's not it's not news. You know, the other interesting thing about Gates to me is that he, um. Uh, he, he, he seen, you know, he is, he's a peer of mine. So I think he's an interesting case study, right? I mean, he, he's my age. He went to, you know, college, you know, FSU and he went to law school at William and Mary, right? Like he, he's not a, you know, a MAGA red hat wearing, you know, kind of working class populist person, right? Like he grew up in the house from one of those Jim Carrey movies, like his dad's mm-hmm. really rich. um, And so uh, he, he seems like the kind of guy who, who's faking it. Right. I mean, you know, at the start, at least that's, that was the impression that I had of him. Yeah. I, I, I'm reading this book right now. Um, if you, if you haven't read it, I just, I really recommend it. It's called a political education. It was Harry McPherson, who was Lyndon Johnson's uh, um, uh, advisor. Yeah. Um, and, and in this book, he's, he's talking about one of the senators from South Carolina, I think Olin Johnson, who's watching Strom Thurmond rail about civil rights and he's not any he look, and he looks at him and says the others, the segregationist senator looks at him and says, well, this guy actually believes this, this stuff, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then that's, and like the point in the story is that like, it's actually maybe the, the person that's voting with Strom who doesn't believe it. That's the worst character. And I thought that was Matt for a while, but man, when you listen to that Medhi Hassan rant, when you listen to him to talk about how the deep state is after him, I, I I think that, that he, he may just have been, he might be high on his own supply here and, and have just
0: gone totally down. A really crazy path doesn't denver Riggleman, or is it, who, who is it denver Riggleman, or i'm sorry or is it adam kinzinger who described guys as drinking their own bathwater? I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give them both credit for but it it, it
1: so, seems like gates is doing that right like it might have been a performative act for a while but but this i mean he is uh he's lost the plot
0: so you're
1: the same and you're the same age as matt gates Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I worked with his sister. I just, he's an interesting character for me because I kind of know the type. As I said, I know I can picture him in high school.
0: Wait, wait, wait. You worked with his sister?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with Matt's sister, worked for Jack. just like dropping
0: that in. I mean, Oh,
1: Sorry. No, I mean, I know. That's what I'm saying. I know. I don't know Matt. Like, we've never, I mean, I've talked to him, but like, I don't, you know, we've never. No parties at a time. Yeah, no parties. We've never spent quality one on one time. We've never been to a Georgetown cocktail party together, but. I know his huh. sister I know his dad his dad endorsed Jeb. um I know <laughs> the type <laughs> where he's he's my and so I just I oh, look please at please
0: him. please clap.
1: Yeah, oh, thank you, thank you, Jeb. Um, <laughs> you know, is the one thing he was right about broken clocks. But you know, I look at Louis Gohmert, right, or Lauren, Bo- Lauren Bobert, or Marjorie Taylor Green, or Tommy Tuberville, and I'm like, these people are lunatics. You know, okay, like some of right. it might be performative, but like they're they're lunatics. And I look at Matt, probably how you must look at Ron Johnson, right? Which is like, I don't, I, I think that this is an act, but
0: like well, maybe it's not, not an see, act anymore. Well, see, I, I think Matt know? Gates is one of these guys who goes, what do I have to say? What do I have to do to get laid? I mean, it, it's, <laughs> you know true. what I'm saying? It's like, if I became this person, would it may be more likely if I say these things, then I get to go to a TPUSA convention and all the college Republicans and the college high school kids. I, I, I don't know. So you're the same age as Matt Gates. I was shocked this morning. I was on uh, Morning Joe and uh, I realized that I am the same age as Al Sharpton. And I gotta say, it was one of those like, what? Uh, <laughs> what? You Is, imagine yourself a little more youthful than Alan? Your yeah, mind's I, right, I, well, okay, okay, I'm sorry. You know, in my in my head, yeah, I, I'm thinking really. So I looked him up, and he's like, he's a month older than me. So nobody cares about this. I know this. You so were, speaking,
1: you look pretty
0: much. You look great. I mean, okay, very so spry. That's an important month. Spry. See, that's a spry. <laughs> See, that's that's spry. <laughs> and you actually, when that left your mouth, you thought, "Hey, here's a way of praising him You'll like that," <laughs> because everybody aspires to be spry. Okay, um, so let's talk about why the, the boycott Tim name here. Yeah, you had a fantastic email over the weekend, uh, try the, the email, where you waded into um, the Vietnam of, of American political rhetoric, which is Georgia. And I, I am exactly where you are on that. I am wrestling with this. I find this to be a completely deplorable bill. Um, I, I think that the legislature acted in bad faith. I think there's real danger that the politicization of the uh, of the political pro- of the election process could lead to stealing an election in the future. On the other hand, it is time to take a deep breath and go, you know, some of this rhetoric is just way over the top. The whole Jim Crow 2.0 and republicans and the right are are latching on the inaccuracy so talk to me about your your take on the georgia bill which is nuanced which means you're getting killed by both sides
1: <laughs> well I, actually i don't i don't know that it's that nuanced it's kind of strident in one way and um and and uh very specific, specific in another but uh, look let me do the big long wind up here um yeah. for but for for everybody because i think it's important what is happening with the republican party um in in the wake of donald trump's loss in november is absolutely unconscionable in every ma- in a ma- imaginable sense um uh, the the Concerted effort that's going across, uh, that's going around across many states to limit the vote is is based on a lie that has caused the death of a police officer in the siege of our capital. It is racist. It's specifically targeting, um, you know, uh, black communities in in urban in urban centers throughout the country. It's an attempt to hold on to power um, uh, while maintaining minority popular support. This is a party that's won one. Uh, popular vote uh, since uh, this century. Um, the, there will be people who will vote for the first time in 2024 who will have never seen the Republicans win a popular vote. They realize that. And so they're trying to hold on to power um, through minority rule rather than expand um, uh, you know, their support rather than expand the message so that it can appeal to more people. All of that from the big picture sense is freaking grotesque. And I, I just don't know how anybody can listen or read the bulwark and think that we just brook it at it, it, it in any f- form or fashion. It's just, it's horrific. Um, and, and the Georgia bill is one cog in this broader effort, by the way. So is that stupid Donald Trump <clears throat> Easter tweet. So is the campaign that's going on, which I've written about in Virginia and in Ohio, where all these candidates are pretending like, um, you know, that the election had been stolen, and they're all putting out proposals about how to limit the vote, how to, you know, how under the auspices of voter integrity, and then leaking it to Fox News and Newsmax. I mean, this is a multifaceted effort. <coughs> um, it's happening on the donor side. There was that great Jane Mayer report about how Koch and McConnell are working together. So, uh, this is completely unacceptable. It's a party that is not committed to democratic values. And it's, it's why I'm not going to be able to support any Republicans. It's one of many reasons, but but maybe the top of the list um, in the near future, or, or maybe for quite a while. So you can believe all that, that this is awful. And then also look at the Georgia bill itself and say – Guys, this just isn't Jim Crow on steroids. It just isn't, right? I mean it's part of this broader effort that is undemocratic, uh, that that is – where the Republicans want to try to hold on power um, through, through minority um, – with minority control and where they want to suppress votes, particularly black and brown votes. Uh, but – it just like the, the substance of the bill. I mean, it still has, you still have 17 days of early, though. There's still plenty of opportunity to vote in Georgia. So that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it good. But, but when the president is, is saying it does things that it doesn't, like, you know, prevent people from voting after five o'clock so working people can't vote, that's just not true. He said it multiple times. When when they're saying it's you know kind of worse than than Jim Crow, which is just an absolute stain on our history, which which prevented you know people to vote based on poll taxes and tests um, and 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 a lot of other methods. I, 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 it, you just lose. You you sometimes lose credibility and and so I, I you know I, I some people say well that's a strategic point you want to build up outrage so more people turn out and vote maybe that's true maybe this will turn off suburban voters though you know maybe this will turn off you know voters that are pretty conservative but that are grossed out by the Republicans and now look at the Democrats and say ah you know maybe they I'm not making an equivalency but maybe some of these voters end up making an equivalency in their head um, that's not good so. You know, there's just something to be said for like this. This what the Republicans are doing are bad enough in truth, right? You don't need to gild the lily on this, and so that's the frustrating part for for me.
0: Yeah, if you stick to the actual facts, but you know, you get a lot of whataboutism, which is, oh come, how how dare you uh, accuse Joe Biden of being wrong or saying the Republican, I mean the Democrats are. uh, over the top on the rhetoric after what we've endured with Donald Trump well that's literally the what ab- uh, whataboutism and there's you know there's two problems with that if we've spent 4 years objecting to the big lie and you know the the consequences of engaging in this kind of hyperbole and exaggeration is number one you undermine your own credibility but also you have the effect of retrospectively making the lies of the past not so bad because everybody does it, so that's part of the problem. But you know, and you you mentioned this yesterday. There is that vibe, and this this is where guys like us feel it, kind of like a little bit of PTSD. Yeah. The you know the it comes down to the but we fight the evil opposition. I mean, we've lived through this, but we fight. And, of course, this is what we heard on the right for many, many years. Okay, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's over the top. But it's time for us to take the fight to those hypocrites who deserve no mercy whatsoever, and we get it fed back to us now
1: yeah and and again, I, I just I want to be abundantly clear. I, I do not see that this is an equivalence. I don't think the Democrats are anywhere near like nominating a Donald <laughs> Trump like figure. like that that's not what I'm no. saying here, but th- there are there are problems short of you know nominating a, mani- a like ego maniacal, bigoted, incompetent for the presidential nomination um, that a party oh, can sure. run into if if you create a culture where you can't dissent. Right. Like, like we cannot have a culture where where people cannot dissent and cannot point out mistakes and point out flaws. I'm sure there are, pe- by the way, people on the left of Joe Biden that, that, that think that and say, you know, say that. And that's true for them, too. Right. I mean, people have blind spots. You know, I mean, this is part of governing, um, you know, uh, uh, part of political coalition building. There's value to to getting feedback. So anyway, uh, in this specific case, like, uh, it d- does it you know matter that much i I guess my question is we don't know right like we don't know what the answer in georgia is i mean eric erickson say what you want about eric um He's he said a lot of things I disagree with but he, and but he he knows Georgia. He says he thinks this week that Brian Kemp uh, assured his reelection. He 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 you know he kind of mended his problems with the right that happened from him not going along enough with the big lie. You know, meanwhile Raphael Warnock might have gotten himself into trouble for his reelection. I don't know if that's true. We won't know until November 22nd. But why give them something? Like when they have made so many screw ups when they've been so you know said so many lies and gaslit, and and when their entire political program in Georgia is crumbling, why give them something like? There's just yeah. enough to work there's with some, there, as it is.
0: There, there is enough. And again, you know, focusing on the, you know, the retaliation against Brad, against Brad Raffensperger, the one truth teller. Um, that's yeah. certainly a red flag. The fact that it uh, gives the partisan legislature more control over elections. But you know, I'm trying to think about how this got to where it is now, and I think you know, number one the the fact that the legislature was acting in bad faith means that they you know were given no uh you know no benefit of the doubt but also a lot of the worst stuff that was proposed and debated was stripped out in the end so That's where you get the Nate Cohns and you have uh, Will Salatin from Slate and uh, uh, you have Glenn Kessler, who is the the fact checker for The Washington Post, going in and saying, you know, um, this actually expands the days and the hours available for early in-person voting. Uh, It does things like requires polls with long waiting lines to add staff or another precinct for the next election. Uh, It has an online uh, option for ballot applications. Uh, It does require at least one Dropbox Per county. I um, and there's some bad things in there, depending on how you feel about it. But, uh, the voter ID requirement basically says, uh, substitutes the, uh, signature matching for putting your, your, either your driver's license ID, your other, uh, you know, ID number on it's, it's more, it's more efficient there. And I, I think you saw Did Do you see woke Joe Walsh's, uh, tweet about this? <laughs> no, I didn't no it, was, see it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. You know, the former, uh, Illinois congressman. So Chuck Schumer, like a lot of folks who puts out a a tweet saying, you know, racist voter suppression laws are now hurting Georgia's voters and its economy. Georgia Republicans should be ashamed. We would welcome Major League Baseball to come play the all star game in New York. And Joe Walsh tweets out and he's factually correct about this. New York only allows nine days of early voting. Georgia's law allows 17 days of early voting. New York does not allow so-called no-excuse absentee voting. Georgia does. It is also illegal in New York to serve food and water to people in line. So he says, Senator, it sounds like it's actually harder to vote in New York than Georgia. How come? And this is kind of an awkward thing because I saw you, you link to this as well. You compare the early voting in other states and Georgia is not more restrictive and as a spry older guy, I am old <laughs> enough to remember when, in fact, elections were held on election day. And if anything, we have made it dramatically easier to vote. And I think we should make it even, even easier to vote. But that's where the Jim Crow 2, uh, 2.0 two or some of the things that Joe Biden has said about this just are, are just like go too far. And they, yeah. and, and they, and they backfire.
1: And so – just like three things, really quick. Oh, number one, I do think that Joe Walsing on the on the water. I, I haven't looked at this that closely, but I saw some back and forth on this, and and I and I think that technically the New York water rules are a little bit whatever less stringent mm-hmm. than what okay. what they put in in Georgia. But I, that, that doesn't real. that's not really relevant as a as as it, to this point, which is that. There are a lot of blue states that have extremely restrictionist voting rules, um, in, in, including New York. Um, and, and by the way, those should be changed. Like, uh, here's the thing: I'm I'm for automatic voter registration. Like, I, I don't understand why we can't do this. I, you know, there are a lot of countries. Uh, you know, we, I know we have um, the former president of Estonia is a is a, is a Bulwark fan, and you know, the the system that they've got in countries like that is is uh, much more. Uh, 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 relevant for the future um uh, than, than this kind of you know patchwork system that we have in this country so i, I think everybody should be should have automatic voter registration and they should be able to register day of and we can have provisional ballots where if there are any questions and they need to you know be verified that this isn't a fake voter or that this isn't somebody committing fraud then they can go into the provisional pile and we can check and investigate it in the week after the election right like this there are ways to do this that, that make it as easy as possible for everybody to vote and, I, and i'm for that and they should do that in a, in a bunch of these states, but but uh, you know that's not the reality of where we are now, and so I just think that when it comes to Georgia. The, the the biggest picture truth about what is happening in Georgia is that the only reason that they changed their election laws at all to make right. it more restrictive in certain areas is is because the Republican legislature and the Republican governor, you know, wanted to continue to advance, you know, the big lie that said that our elections were rigged, that resulted in the insurrection, that resulted in the siege of the Capitol, that resulted in the death of the police officer, and um and and they're doing so in an attempt to further restrict voting so they can keep power while being a minority party that's fucking bad enough as it is charlie yeah. like it's horrible <clears throat> like and it's happening in every state basically that there's a republican legislature and there should be pitchforks there should be outrage over the fact that the, that republicans are doing this everywhere and so i you know wh- i i just don't get why we have to you know now get down into exaggerating what is already an absolutely horrible unconscionable position that is that that is endemic within every every republican
0: office holder basically every republican campaign so I I wrote about this morning sort of a, a related development here you know after Major League Baseball decided it was going to move the All-Star game even though by the way Stacey Abrams and other uh Georgia Democrats said they didn't want them to do it what's interesting to me is is this new right-wing cancel culture where you have Donald Trump and and of course everybody else from you know Matt Schlapp and Ronna McDonald and uh, um uh, Hugh 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 at al., all all in that we have to boycott <clears throat> Major League Baseball Delta Airlines, we have to boycott Coke because they came out against this. But it's beyond that. I mean, it's to me, you know, watching former constitutional conservatives like Ted Cruz and Mike Lee tweeting out about how, okay, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna push legislation to strip Major League Baseball of its antitrust immunity. Now, I'm agnostic about whether they should have antitrust protect. Let's leave that aside. Clearly, what they're doing is they're saying because of this political action, because they are ideologically um They've committed an ideological crime. We're going to use the power of our offices to use the power of the government to punish them. And your good friend, the culture war ambulance chaser, Chip Roy, um, also put out a tweet. I will co-sponsor this, this legislation, and aggressively push it. Major League Baseball, happy to have ID required to pick up tickets but not voting. American Airlines and Delta, you're on notice too. And he's retweeting one of his colleagues who said – In light of uh, MLB's stance to undermine election integrity laws, I have instructed my staff to begin drafting legislation to remove Major League Baseball's federal antitrust exception. So they're not even pretending that they are not retaliating politically using the power of the government to pass legislation to punish a private entity for its political actions. And this is not a one-off. You saw Republicans and the Georgia legislature come close to stripping a tax provision from uh, from Delta Delta for because they're doing this. You know that your friend Josh Hawley, you know when he's not fomenting insurrections, is. Why are all, all my friends? friends. I destroyed Josh Hawley. Uh, so yeah, and then what is it now? Uh, uh, McConnell, Mitch McConnell is taking aims at corporate U.S. He says, parts of the private sector keep dabbling and behaving like a woke parallel government. Corporations will invite serious consequences if they become a vehicle for the far left mobs to hijack our country from outside the constitutional order. Well, I don't know. Um, Mr. Miller, that sounds like a threat to me. (laughs) That's like, no, nice nice corporation you have there. Be a shame if anything bad would happen to it. I guess I'd look back onto the
1: folk wisdom of one Willard Mitt Romney that says that corporations are people, my friend, Mitch. uh, I I don't – this is so bizarre just from the perspective of somebody that's come up in the Republican culture where corporations were were largely, not always, but like aligned with the political objectives of people on the right. I I mean, I I just – this is – it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Look, look Walmart. I mean, how many times has Walmart been aligned with Republicans on oh, you know, the Walton Foundation supporting um, school choice? Uh, you know, opposing um, you know minimum wage increases. Uh, you know, big big oil companies wanting to oppose climate legislation or work with Republicans on alternate climate legislation. It's just you know, time and again. Uh, the corporate America has not always, but largely been on the side of Republicans and engaged in politics. Right. And, and, and at that, and, and, you know, during that time, like the idea that the government would then punish them for advocating for a political position that they think, you know, um, aligns with their corporate values or would help their corporate bottom line. Uh, like that's, uh, that would have been the like kind of Bernie, Extreme left response to yeah, 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 corporate Warren action, did. right? And it wasn't yeah, even yeah. mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, I just—it wasn't even mainstream Democrats that would have done that, right? Like th- this right. would have been the provenance of like the Bernie Sanders far left. It's like we have to punish Walmart because they are, you know, engaging on school choice, and we need to get big corporations out of our, you know, up, out of our life. And and now that's the Mitch McConnell position, All right? That the,
0: the corporations need to be to me. punished. Well, and also the way they're doing it, but I, you know, part of this is this new, you know, working class party anti corporate, um, you know, position. But if you're a working class party and you don't actually want to do anything for the working class, I mean, they're not in favor of the minimum wage, right? They're not really in favor of, you know, more, you know, family leaves or childcare or any of those things. So, what does the working class party do? Well, it turns everything into culture war. So. The culture war and the anti-corporate war become the same thing. The culture war and class war become their their thing. Did Marco Rubio's statement on this union vote down in Alabama was, I thought, fascinating. So, I mean, I, I it's a very interesting story how they're trying to organize these uh, workers at the Amazon plant in Bessemer, Alabama. Um, and here here's what the working class champion Marco Rubio said. Uh, here's my standard, he writes. When the conflict is between working Americans and a company whose leadership has decided to wage culture war against working class values, the choice is easy. I support the workers. So he's for the union if they're against a company that is on the wrong side of the culture war. It's all culture war for these guys. It wasn't the fact that Amazon workers were
1: peeing in bottles on the warehouse floor. That wasn't what got Marco to, 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 you know, want to defend the workers as, no. as, the representative of the working class party. It was no. the fact that the execs took the wrong position on voting rights legislation. I, you know, I, and then this is the same, you mentioned the Georgia, Georgia legislature and to take the tax break away. I, I mean, this is economic policy has been completely subsumed by, Culture war and owning the libs, and and it's 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 a really a shocking change that 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 happened seemingly overnight, and now has you know a unanimity and support among the Republican Party. You don't hear anybody saying, "Wait a minute, guys!" Like I don't know if we should be. Like basing our taxation and unionization and, um, you know, antitrust positions on like this an ephemeral position that one CEO takes on, you know, a voting rights issue. Like, more or less, I don't think that we should do it uh, just because the CEOs want to make sure people have voting (laughs) rights. Right. I mean, that's what this is at a fundamental level. I mean, may, maybe these CEOs uh, uh, don't have all the specifics right or whatever about a, a legislation. That's not, that's not their job. But that at a fundamental level, what they're trying to do is signal and say, we want to make sure that voting rights are protected, which which makes sense. That corporate America would want to make sure voting rights were protected after the last president just attempted a coup, right? So, um, you oh, know, yeah, and they, they're just that. trying to put yeah. out this basic kind of sense. And Republicans are like, no, you need to be punished for that now. You you need to have your tax breaks taken away from that. This is not a, a economically conservative party in any meaningful sense. Well, and well.
0: also it, it's it's not a party that seems to really understand the First Amendment at all. I mean there was once sort of an understanding that you did not use government you know, force to retaliate against someone for criticizing a politician or for criticizing a, a government action. So I'm getting a lot – seeing a lot of comments and emails and social media posts from people who I think misunderstand something or haven't caught up on something that you know the the question well are republicans biting the hand that feeds them because you know they are financed by corporate america you know these big checks and the answer to that is this new stance is also a reflection of the way in which you ha- have the the center of fundraising particularly on the right shifting to those small dollar donors you know the rubification of fundraising and um yep. so they no longer are relying on the 100,000 dollar check from AT&T when they can get uh you know folks from you know from, from Wisconsin and Oregon and uh and uh, in Arkansas to write them checks. Speaking of which, the story, I'm sorry to switch gears here, the story over the weekend in the New York Times about the Trump campaign and the incredible scam aimed at their own supporters, the ripoff, that what they did was that if people went online and said, yes, I wanna support Donald Trump and so I'm gonna give him, I have a 1000 I live in a nursing home and I have a my income is $1,000 a month, but I'm gonna give Donald Trump $500. And what they did was they took that money And because they had an obscure box check that nobody could see, it became a recurring payment. So this person, you know, a couple of weeks later says, I've given them $8,000 or $9,000. They sucked it out. There are some estimates that as much as 3% of all of the credit card fraud complaints were aimed at the Trump campaign because they went out to rip off their own supporters. And the stories are just stunning. It's just, I, again, I, I feel like maybe we're repeating ourselves because, you know, Tim, that, you know, this whole thing was a scam, but what a cynical scam that the Trump campaign and the RNC was were involved in here. Yeah. And it's, a, it's in line with what Bannon was doing with his scam about the fake wall. I mean, it's
1: honestly sad. I mean, like what, what they're doing I and mean, they're, they li- well, they're fleecing, outrageous. yeah, right. they're fleecing their own supporters and, and people are, don't realize that the, this money's coming out of their, Uh, checking account every month um and and it's like for to what like for what end right i mean to to kind of fund these um consultant salaries to fund these insane you know the insane amount that the the, that is required to run these campaigns and it's because they've bought into this whole flight 93 mindset right i mean and so that is the other danger of moving it's not really dangerous anymore because it's happened, but of, of moving fundraising from, you know, these sort of institutional uh, type of fundraising, which had its own, you know, corruption and flaws. But, but, but the change when you move that to now this kind of populist style of fundraising is, is that they got to keep people angry. Right, you're not gonna give your five bucks if the you know, if the if the email from the Trump campaign is, is like, Well, you know, Joe Biden made some good points today, but like, you know, he overstepped a little bit on this one area and I, I wish I wish you'd help us been- Right. Like that's not they have to continue to keep up to keep up the heat and to turn, you know, the volume to 11 on the fact that they're stealing the country from you. All the types of things that led people to storm the Capitol with Donald Trump flags and and spear police officers. Right. Like that. That's what they have to do to get to keep the money coming in, um, in addition to kind of tricking a lot of their, you know, older and let's just be honest, like older and less educated supporters who are not as uh, familiar with kind of uh, with um, you know, the, uh, how, how to, you know, use these sorts of online platforms. They might not understand all the little boxes you got to uncheck, you know, to, to prevent this thing from being a recurring donation. You saw that to the tune of like nine figures, people that tried to claw some of their money back. So I just, I I mean, what is happening is really, really gross. It's part of this broader scam, but it is now what they're fully bought in on. When you look, so when you see this anti-corporate campaign, that means they're fully bought in on this kind of scam,
0: email, and mail fundraising. You know, what what is startling reading that story is to realize the extent to which they have convinced people to give large amounts of money. I, you know, I, I think, you know, shorthand, we talk about, you know, people giving $5, but some of these stories that, that are in this uh, you know piece that I would think a normal person would be embarrassed at the, at, at the, at the lower level contribution. Let me explain what I'm t- getting at here. So let me read you two paragraphs, this tactic that they used, of making these recurring payments, ensnared scores of unsuspecting Trump loyalists, retirees, military veterans, nurses, even experienced political operatives. Soon banks and credit cards were inundated with fraud complaints from the president's own supporters about donations they had not intended to make, sometimes for thousands of dollars. Listen to this story. Bandits, said Victor Amelino, a 78-year-old Californian, who made a $990 online online donation, $990 online donation to Trump in early September via WinRed. Okay, so $990 for the 78-year-old retiree. It's a lot of money. But what they did was they made it recur seven more times, adding up to almost $8,000. I'm retired, he said. I can't afford to pay all that damn money. So... Just At the lowest level, they're fleecing these retirees. They're scaring them. They're getting them worked up to give more money than they can possibly afford to the campaign. But of course, that's, that's an individual choice they make. And then they sit around and go, how can we turn this into a money bomb? How can we get even more from them? And what's clear from the story is this was an intentional plan. They knew what they were doing. So here's my question, Tim, because you know how campaigns work. How did they think they were going to get away with this?
1: Look, I think that you just keep pushing the envelope in online fundraising strategies, right? And it's like, how did you get away with everything? You know, I I, I think that there there is. you know, this idea of creating a recurring contribution is not something that the Trump campaign made up, right? And so there's always this kind of gray area, right? Which is, which is, so do I make somebody proactively check a box, right? Or do I have the box already checked for them? Like, do, do I give them a warning? Is it in bold? Do I send them an email every time, the, you know, the day before we're going to take out the next recurring contribution to, to let them know, to make sure that this is intentional, right? And so, you know, it's just like anything else, like the the uh, any other types of donations. I mean, I have a recurring donation to some charities that I support, right? And some of the charities are much more um, upfront about it, right? And some of them are mu- much scammier, you know. And so, and I and and so I think they just dialed up the scammy side of this um, as much as possible, and and you know, did, did, played a little more cloak and dagger and made it confusing. And I also think like we just have to you know this is not this is not me criticizing the people that are donating that we just have to be honest the people that they're dealing with that are sending in these donations are just not as savvy internet consumers right i mean just um, look at the generic you know, Elizabeth Warren donor, like imagine that person in your head, like they're a person that that uses online finance all the time, right? Like, and they, they are used to, you know, all the, the you know, different vicissitudes of how you, um, you know, ask for money, right? That is not the case for all of the Donald Trump supporters who are, you know, who are less savvy about this sort of stuff or more, you know, more rural, uneducated uh, types of voters. And so they're taking advantage of them and older, right? You know, older people. Um, People as well, so uh, it's just they're 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 making it confusing and uh, uh, purposefully, and they're taking advantage of them, and they think that they can get away with it because you know at the end of the day, I think that they presume that you know they're sort of within on the outer edges of a gray area, and that their own people aren't going to complain about them, and they they they, right. they they pushed it too far.
0: OK, so in the few minutes we have left, uh, you've been enjoying March Madness along with everybody else, even though it's now uh, now April of uh, fantastic final four. you have strong feelings on this whole question that's going to be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court shortly about whether or not college ash- athletes should be paid. My sense is the court may be poised to say that it's ridiculous to pay the coaches millions of dollars and have the schools make billions of dollars and the the athletes themselves make nothing what do you think uh,
1: Yeah well right before I get into that I just we sure. can we just chuckle really quick about how this might be the only sport left for Republicans. <laughs> just, for now. I, I do wonder if the liberals the, yeah, the liberals, the got to be like, how did we get football and baseball and the NBA in the culture and NASCAR. wars? And, and NASCAR. NASCAR. <laughs> NASCAR. Like, how did we win all of these things in the culture wars? Like, you know, so I, I do just sort of sometimes it makes me, uh, it's, it's dark. In, in a macabre way, it makes me laugh to think about the fact that the Patriot Party is anti-baseball, anti-NASCAR, anti-football, anti-Hollywood. <laughs> anti-big tech, anti-Coca-Cola it's like what part of the country do you like still? I, I don't quite know sometimes but um, as far as the college pay is concerned it's been a long time hobby horse of mine um, it is a, it is a complete abuse of, of the kids. Um, what is happening is a total farce um, you know, I just, I, you watched the March Madness, which has been great, by the way, my brother went to Gonzaga. And so I'm pulling for the Zags tonight and just, uh, they've had such a magical run. That three point shot was, I can still enjoy this while understanding that the, the, the kids are being, um, you know, t- taken advantage of. Um, it was just such a, such a beautiful game uh, on Saturday night, but, um, you know, look, a lot of these kids come from poor backgrounds, and this is the height of their earning potential. And I just always, as somebody who comes from like a free market background and a pro-freedom background, I never understood how conservatives a lot of times were the ones who who wanted to be like, we need to keep it like the old ways, and you know, they're getting a college education out of this. What more do you want? And it's like, well, I I want them to be able to. To you know, get paid for the services that they're offering you for all the entertainment that they're bringing to you, and you know, I, I think about. Um, I'm an LSU fan. I, I think about like the. 10th best player on the LSU defense, right? Like that is not on the, on this year's national championship team. Like that's not somebody that's going to make a lot of money in the NFL, right? Like the quarterback will be fine. But the 10th best player on the defense is not going to make a lot of money in the NFL. This is when they can make money. Like he should be able to do ads for the local car dealership and he should be getting paid by LSU, which is making tens of millions of dollars and, and the coach is getting paid. You know, we just fired a coach that we paid like $5 million and had to buy him out because he had a bad year. <laughs> like that money just went down the drain. And 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 so why can't this kid when he is at the height of his earning potential when he's a local celebrity somewhere make money? And and it's all just a big scam that the cuz the NCA has been perpetrating this lie of um of, you know, st- the, that they're amateurism. so-called student-athlete amateurs, right? And it's it's just a faux amateurism that has allowed them to retain money. And, you know, I can go deep on email with you. They're all – if somebody wants to push back with me on this, I love fighting about it. There are all these other random arguments. None of them hold water to the fact that, like, these kids deserve to be able to make – Uh, you know, whatever, whatever they can, you know, just like anybody else in any other uh, market-based market-based system. And, you know, you watch the final four and there's a commercial every four minutes and everything's sponsored. And it's just, it's a total farce. There's an official ladder an official net. (laughs) This whole thing is a joke. So I was encouraged to see Brett Kavanaugh, um, Mm -hmm. you know, make these kind of free market arguments that you would expect to hear from conservatives, but for some reason end up oftentimes getting, um, Um, pushed down in favor of the traditional, you know, um, traditionalist arguments. And so I'm hopeful that they go the right way. And I was happy to see that uh, that Kavanaugh made some of these same points.
0: Is there any analogy? Is there any other institution where a billion dollar industry or institution based on the 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 efforts and labor of unpaid individuals? I'm trying to think of anything else. I'm sure I, I could, probably could, but I can't. I I mean I'm sure nothing, nothing like is underpaid, skill.
1: right? I no, mean you know I mean, I'm not sure not that like paid, union yeah. advocates would say mm-hmm. that like sure mm-hmm. there's stuff so, right like like Walmart, Amazon yeah. we can go back to Amazon workers, right? Like but the, are the people aren't making what what maybe they should be able to bargain for and be worth. But these guys aren't even allowed to bargain, right? Like these guys yeah. aren't getting anything. They're being I and mean, it's literally Soviet. It was a good edit in my article from our uh, editor Adam Kuyper, who's like nothing says the nothing says the free market like giving people room and board. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> like, I mean, it's like a it's literally an old Soviet mindset. Um, so I, I, I can't think of an analogy and especially something that that is so important to our you know to to the american culture and that so much money is going through and that people love i just this, this idea that that was being pushed by the ncaa that people will stop watching and they won't like it as much I, yeah it's there's just no like really no there's really? no evidence
0: for that whatsoever yeah that people wouldn't have not watched that game on saturday night because they were getting paid no i just don't think so yeah. i don't think it. so anyway with the good news uh thanks for joining me on the day after easter the good news of course is that jesus is uncancelled, um <laughs> and and and, and, and remain so. Uh, Tim Miller, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Charlie. Go Zags. And thank you all for listening to today's uh, Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. I, I was going to ask you whether, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to actually watch that HBO QAnon special i don't know whether you've seen that but i haven't watched yeah. it i want to i can't no, I'll no, be no, watching
1: it tonight i'll be watching the zags but but maybe because we can I, talk about it next week
0: yeah you know see now i have to make a decision about that because we have a podcast about q tomorrow so um i definitely have that on my list in any case thank you for listening to today's bulwark podcast i'm charlie sykes we will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again